You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. All right, welcome to the Grolix Podcast. This is Randy. In the future, instead of October being September 1st to October 31st, like I said last month, October will simply be 60 days long. That's reasonable. That's, that's what I need. <laughs> and this is Jesse. In the future, Marvel is going to offer their comics digitally with a bonus code so that you can unlock the print edition. Takes a second for that one. I like it. That's good. That's, that's deep. It's deep. <laughs> they had a whole bunch of announcements today. I didn't quite catch them, but Twitter was a buzz. Uh, with oh a bunch man, of Marvel stuff. Yeah, the movies. Yeah, the movie things is fa- uh, Phase Three Day. Mm. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, they announced like uh, they announced two the next two Avenger movies after Ultron or or whatever. They made it official that Captain America is actually going to be called Civil War. And then, like, all the other movies that are, like, Guardians 2 and Inhumans and Was that it kind of stuff. Black Panther? Is yeah, it? Black Panther. Yeah. Actually, I finally, last night, Melanie, Melanie and I finally watched uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Like, we hadn't watched it yet. Oh, did you, did you enjoy? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, See, I liked it. I liked it almost better than the first because it was, like, the cap I know. Yeah, it was really good. It had – I kept hearing that it was – it felt like more of a thriller most of the time, and it did. And one thing, mm-hmm. I liked the pacing um, instead of – I mean, there were definitely some big, like, set-piece action scenes. But instead of, like, building to three giant action scenes there was lots of little cool action scenes spread throughout and it kind of helped keep the pace up yeah and it was kind of like a a chase movie yeah and one thing i noticed and i hadn't really thought about it because there's the elevator scene which i heard a lot of people mention the elevator scene was awesome and it was and i noticed like a lot of the action and it was refreshing in this is smaller scale like fight scenes and gun shootouts and when it would get big scale where you've got Cap, like, doing backflips back and forth over, like, uh, air, whatever that airplane was, like, that was oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was cool, but it made me realize, like, after a certain point, the spectacle kind of becomes mind-numbing, and that those smaller scenes just stand out that much more against, like, the huge spectacle, so. Right. Well, I think, I think like, the fun thing about that is that, uh, you look at – it's kind of a theme that runs through that entire movie where uh, Captain America is doing his laps around, uh, you know, Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's kind of the like the whole theme of the movie is that, like, uh, you've got Cap being Cap, and yet you have all these other people doing incredible things too, uh, kind of proportionate to their abilities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I loved – Love the scene where they come after Fury in in that SUV. 
Yes, that that was epic. They box them in. That was so good. That's. I mean, I was kind of on board already, but that's when I was like, "Wow, okay, this is this is a little bit different." This is. I was definitely on board after that point. But yeah, really good. I, I it definitely I think lived up to the hype because a lot of people, a lot of people were were uh, into it. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of people really went overboard and they were like, "Better than Avengers," and I was like, "Okay, let let the let the hype chill just a minute." But it was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a lot of times, you'll get that hype and then you'll watch it and you'll be disappointed. This case, I was definitely. I mean, I guess maybe because it's a Captain America movie, it's like the first one. I didn't have mm-hmm. the highest expectations, so when I watched it, I was like, yeah, that was good. This one there was, right. I did kind of have expectations, but uh, they, it just it didn't disappoint, so yeah. It only took us uh, a little while to get around to watching it. Well, yeah, but you know, I think any, any movie worth its salt should keep like that, uh-huh. you know? Like a lot of times we'll, we're just like, we gotta see it, because everybody else has seen it and nobody wants to get spoilers, but... You know, like you, you didn't have any spoilers that weren't already like pre-existing mm-hmm. industry things. I assume. Yeah, no, exactly. And I found while watching it, like at one point, Melanie's like, "Who do you think's after Fury?" And I didn't want to say. I'd be like, "Well, it's 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. I know who's after Fury." Like, it's, you know, uh, it's him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Marvel, like, it's kind of a testament to brilliant marketing of particularly Marvel's uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the movies. Like, who better than a comic book company to, like, master the crossover thing? Because part of the reason that really pushed us to finally watch Captain America was we're stuck still in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 because I didn't want to... Oh, yeah. I didn't want to watch past a certain point without seeing the movie... And I've been hearing really good things about season two. So finally I was like, okay, we got to see this movie and then continue watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, Well, it's kind of funny because I think that when they were writing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was a thing where they didn't really like cross communicate. And so all of a sudden they were like, yeah, this movie came out and now your whole show has to change. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, Oh really? <laughs> I was wondering about that. That kind of that's rough. That's rough for them. Yeah, well, it was like they flipped a switch, kind of thing in, uh-huh. the, in the show, and you'll now you'll be able to see that because <laughs> because obviously uh, that movie, you know, Winter Soldier has huge implications for Shield. I'm surprised there wasn't more. Um, maybe in the future they'll be keep that a little bit more open mind about that, but. Kind of surprised. In the future, you say? In the future. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> I just need to... I just need to hashtag some tweets in the future when they come to me. That way I can kind of keep a list. For <laughs> yeah, except the then you will have already used them and you won't I know, and I'll be again. like, well, they're out in the... They're they, out it, won't, it won't work. <laughs> But it will be fun, so, like, we do need to use it more often. I agree. October's come and gone, as far as the listener knows. Yes, now, now this is November. (laughs) 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 Just just so everybody's clear, this is the the month of no-vember. (laughs) No-vember. I love it. (laughs) It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's 
going to be. I'm not going to do anything. Awesome. <laughs> Melanie's here. Yay! Say hello, Melanie. Hello, Melanie. I see. I'd have been disappointed if that wasn't the response. Yo. <laughs> we just decided that uh, this month mm-hmm. is November. No. Yeah. No, November. Yeah, you gotta have his tone. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay. The awkward pause for just a sec. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's really what we were just talking about. No to what though? Everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Except ice cream. Except oh, ice cream. <laughs> and pizza. It's all pizza. Mm. The main segments today will be our pull list, which is Marvels. And actually, I think we have a poll list winner for once, like a legitimate winner. What? Yeah, I know, right? Um, and I think it's something we've all read, so we have an easy month coming up. I'm excited about that. Okay. Oh, hey, there we go. Um, <laughs> no! No, exactly. <laughs> and then Saga of the Swamp Thing, Swamp Studies. Okay. We'll be doing Saga of the Swamp Thing, uh, book number four, I believe. Okay. Yes. And webcomic recommendation. Yep. And that's it. I think we I think we just have one this month, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep, I just have the one. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and do... This is so early to actually be getting to the segments. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I really like the banter, but we don't have time for all the banter. Yeah. Well, it's the month of no. Exactly. November. No <laughs> banter, November. Okay. <laughs> except, except a little bit about ice cream. Yeah. Gotta have ice cream. And pizza. I was about to say it. I was about to say it. <laughs> webcomic. Webcomic recommendation. Melanie, you should sing a theme song for webcomic recommendation. Da, da, da. Uh, okay. That's I, like like it. It. I like it. I like it. Yes. <laughs> that one's even better. That's what it is. Yeah. Jazzier. <laughs> That's a throwback. I don't remember which episode. Uh, did we, did I leave all that stuff? I probably threw that in at the end of the episode, huh? Oh yeah, I think okay. that was an extra. Yeah, I'm glad I left that also in. All glitchy and stuff. Yeah, that was one of those things. Like after I cut most of the episode, I had to go back and search, and like I was like, this has to go in at the end. Mm. <laughs> all right, web comic recommendation. Let me pull up my my notes here. I just have a little bit of notes, but I need it so I can remember. And hopefully I'm not holding my phone too close to the recorder. If you have a digital recorder, beware of cell phones. They do weird things. If you hold them too close to certain digital recorders, you'll get weird sounds that'll in the recording. Spooky. It's not like spooky sounds, though. It's like weird digital clicking sounds. It's still spooky. <laughs> oh, just a clickers. Just, just a heads up. I've actually heard it in, I guess you'd say, a list podcasts. Yeah, where they're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never message. I want to m- message them, but I just figure they probably like they're big podcasts, so they probably get tons of messages. It would never get through. But just want to yeah. be like, put your cell phone away. <laughs> All right. Web comic recommendation. This month we have uh, we have. Um, I guess some bleed over from October. Yes. And uh, it's appropriate because it's bleed over. Yeah. yeah. After. <laughs> <laughs> I like the simul reaction. Simul action. Simul action. 
<laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> After Daylight by Sarah Rourke. I think I'm pronouncing that right. But with me, you'll never know. Actually, you will. I'm know. just gonna sit silently. Okay. <laughs> um, let, let's just do in that awkwardness. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Uh, After Daylight is a vampire comedy webcomic um, by Sarah Rourke. You can check it out at afterdaylight.com, which is a pretty sweet URL to get. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's rare, like, some. It's I don't know, man. Every It's rare to get a good, like, the perfect URL for your website. Yeah, like, yeah. Tank Monkey was taken. I can't have tankmonkey.com because that's what I would have preferred. You deserve it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I do, but, you know, and, yeah. And so, what's the word? So kudos, Sarah, for having the foresight to, yeah. to get that one. This is a vampire comedy webcomic. Um, and as the description on her on the website says, uh, it ranges from about PG-13 to some R-rated stuff. So some of it is not safe for work. But this is really interesting because it's, I like the world building going on in here. Like the impact of technology, uh, the internet on, I guess you would say the vampire culture, Mm -hmm. like assuming there are vampires, you know, there, you know, there are vampires in this world. Yeah. And kind of the, one of the threads that have been going through the story is that, uh, there's been a lot of evidence that vampires are real getting out through the internet, creating kind of conflict for, for the vampires because regular people know about them and they have like thermal cameras that mm-hmm. can see who's not putting off body heat and stuff like that. Um, right. So that, yeah. Yeah. The, her about section is pretty brilliant too. Um, if you, if you check out the web comic, she does a whole, uh, spiel about what after d- daylight means and uh, how this all impacts vampires. And so right off the bat, just reading the about page, the rationale is awesome. Yeah, I would I would like to give input because it is totally my type of thing, but I have not read it yet. It's fun. Like the humor, the humor is, I like the humor. There's the main character who is a vampire. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of interesting, like you get almost like dating type humor, those awkward one night stand type moments and just different things. And it's kind of, it's fun to have the vampire twist thrown in there right off the bat. There's a lot of Twitter stuff in the comic. Oh yeah. Like page three is all already. Yeah. It's all like Twitter comments. Yeah. I mean, you know, fictional Twitter comments from in this, inside this world. Right. And I like the idea of since most vampires are, the on dead or the living dead. Same difference. Yeah. Um, they've been around for a long time. So when this, this, this threat arises through the internet, the, the V files, as they call them, uh-huh. uh, at one point there's like, you know, ancient vampires that are kind of like leaders mm-hmm. and they'll go and like, be like, well, what should we do about this issue? And mm-hmm. the vampires like, can't you just unplug it? And they're like, unplug what? Their computers? And he's like, yeah, just unplug their computers. Like, he just doesn't understand the technology. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. I really like the art style. It has a digital painting type of feel to it. Yeah, sure. yeah. And, I, I, and it, has a, it has a really consistent flow, both 
in terms of the art and in terms of the writing style. In fact, like um, I've been really looking forward to a print edition of this one because she does each page like you would if you were writing a book. So sometimes, you know, like the web updates, if you're waiting from page to page, it's kind of like, oh, what happens next? You know, like it's a little bit abrupt, but it flows together uh, really seamlessly in terms of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. reads like like a book or a graphic novel as opposed to sometimes when you just get a compilation of strips. Right. I like it like that. No, I agree. And I think this would would read exceptionally well in a Kickstarter-funded uh, volume one <laughs> comic book. <laughs> yeah. Graphic yeah. novel. That's uh, true. That is true. Hey, Melanie, since you haven't read it, now's the perfect time to jump on board because Sarah has finished up Volume 1, and she's now launching her Kickstarter to go ahead and put that in a print volume. Oh, really? <laughs> yes! <laughs> you too can be a part of the, uh, of the creation of this epic volume of After Daylight Vampire Comic Humor. Sweet. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Just point your internet webs at the Kickstarter and find it. <laughs> and find it. I'll, I'll find it. Don't unplug your computer. No. How to, how to make an awkward segue even more awkward. You guys know you're pro. You guys are pro. <laughs> I believe you have until November. <laughs> no. I believe you have it until November this is 11th. another time where you should say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ice cream and after daylight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, November November 11th, say yes. Before then. Before then. Yes. Uh, the Kickstarters go until November 11th. Uh, so this... And some election day items. Depending uh, on Yes, you're right. You're right. But yeah, as of recording... Uh, the Kickstarter for this has three thousand four hundred fifty-eight dollars out of a fifty-eight hundred dollar goal. Oh, that's pretty uh, good. That's awesome. So yeah. yeah, and she's still got plenty in time. So get out there and back her because she's awesome. Her comics awesome, and she's awesome. And follow her on Twitter. Haven't. And we'll have links to all, we'll have links to all that in the show notes. So be sure to check she's, out the show notes. She's super active on Twitter and Facebook too. So. Yes. So yeah, check that out. I recommend it. Um, even if uh, there wasn't the Kickstarter, I would recommend it. We're not just we don't just pick up some random stuff that we're not into and throw it at you. Um, well, and regardless, uh, the whole first volume is done and available online, so you can read it there too, and you should. Oh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. please still do go and, and uh, support the artists because it's it takes a lot of work to put a full volume of of comics together mm-hmm. yeah if and you, then lay it out for for print too yeah if you dig it definitely back it because i mean you'll know what you're getting so mm-hmm. check out yeah the website and, and it's always cooler to have it, a physical copy that you can pull out and make people look at mm-hmm. yes exactly uh the, Look at it! The, it's beautiful. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna sorry. have to, I'm gonna I'm have to turn your levels down a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell me, tell 
tell me we're not cutting that. <laughs> no, I'll leave it. It's going to sound so distorted. It's going to be crazy. Because that, that kind of scared me. <laughs> yeah, it was clipping a little bit. I, I've, I've, been, I've been watching a, a lot of horror movies lately. So it's like, whoa! I'm, I'm trained for the jump now. <laughs> Okay, so that's webcomic, but you reminded me of something else I wanted to ask you about, Jesse. You, what, 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 what? You have been sending me... This kind of ties into something that we covered uh, a couple of months ago. You have been sending me pictures of... <laughs> Where is this going? Oh, no. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> You've been sending me pictures of some very interesting-looking Christopher R. Mim... Uh, Mimiverse DVDs. Yes, I uh, actually today I got uh, I I picked up the Monster of Phantom Lake and I picked up the uh, the sequel to it, which is called It Came from Another World, and uh, we uh, Axton and I, uh, you know, when we talked about it last last month, we attended Scream in the Dark, and uh, it kind of came full circle for me. Because I was listening to your your interview with Mim, and uh, and I was watching these movies, and I'm like, this sounds very familiar. Like this whole premise sounds super familiar, and and I'm watching this, and I'm like, I think this is, <laughs> I think this is the guy that Randy interviewed, mm-hmm. and so then I like they were brilliant watching them. Uh, so I'm I'm super excited to, uh, to like get a group and and sit down and watch these. Because I, I watched most of them, but you know, like when you're at a table, it's pretty hard to watch the full blown thing. You know, like if somebody swings by, then you, uh, you know, you got to interact and, and whatnot because that's why you're there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was funny because uh, it was one of those moments where you realized how many people actually recognize you from being at shows because, like, somebody was watching me just enjoy, just enjoy this like totally these these films and uh, they're like uh you guys were at Ozfest, right he was like right in front of you <laughs> he was like not far from us you know mm-hmm. as far as table space i guess at least that's that's what i was told so yeah that's why i wanted uh, to mention it because yeah we had that interview i think in episode seven the yeah. Ozfest yeah. Special. Ozfest. yeah at Ozfest, and uh and I was super interested, but I still have I haven't got a chance to check out any of the any of the films and stuff. And yeah, you you were texting me and said they were running them while you were at the table and you were really enjoying them. And then uh, since then, I've got like a picture. Here's a picture of like, oh, look what came in the mail, and it's one of his movies. And then I got another one today. Um, so yeah, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about it since you've actually seen them. Uh, they look awesome. Oh yeah, he he's done a really good job of being faithful to the era. It's uh I mean you you've got to if you have not yet go on to uh the website and check out. He's got trailers for each of the movies and mm-hmm. there the trailers alone are period perfect. Yeah, they're all they're all like all like uh 50s black and white horror movies. And... With, with the with the big splash of text that's like chilling, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. and yeah, from I I did I watched some of the, the the clips and trailers, and like from what I saw, uh, he nails it. And like he said, it, it's not necessarily from a place of parody. It's 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 I guess homage 
but he yeah, said, he yeah. says he does it out of love of the the era and genre. So yeah, it's not it's not poking fun. It's you know having fun, but also yes. respecting. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to. Yeah, if you have a if you have a Mimiverse movie night or something, let us know. We'll we'll come. Across but, that yeah, movie. now I have both of the Professor Jackson films, so it can be a double feature. Oh yeah. Ooh, you'll yeah. have to host a movie night. Yep. Double Sounds feature. good. Poll list. Speaking Marvels. of poll list. What's the new one? Let me go double What's check. What's the wiener? Let me let me go double check. Up to the minute, up to the wire to okay. see if any new votes have come in. But uh we did get a vote today, just today, that pushed we had a seven way tie. <laughs> after last month's eight-way tie because oh, we took away oh, that Oh, good, because I don't have a seven-sided dice. <laughs> no, I know. I was thinking about that. I was like, how's this going to work? But uh, we had, I posted, uh, I tweeted out the link to the to the poll list today and we had one vote. Let me go make sure that hasn't changed. Uh, pushing it over. <laughs> Is that Batman? It was Batman. I was looking at my, I was, I was uh, pulling up my comic rack to... Uh, to pull Marvels back up, and I was reading Batman when I shut it when I got out of it. So it was. Have you guys been reading uh, Batman sixty six? Randy probably has. He reads everything Batman. I don't. Um, I don't believe that I've read any of it though. What's that? Batman sixty six. I have a few of the first issues of Batman sixty six physicals, and it was one of the ones I've been meaning to to read through, and I just haven't yet. So I stopped buying them. But, uh, uh, I, have, I have, I have the same issue, uh, or not literally issue, but <laughs> I have the same problem in that I have the almost the whole run of the '66 and Green uh, Green Hornet. Uh huh. I, I have that, and, and there's only one issue left that's going to come out, and I haven't read the first issue. <laughs> yeah, no, I have I I have the exact same issues. Yeah, I've been buying that one too, and. I have not even read the first one yet, but that one I don't feel so bad because it's just a six issue mini. Um, yeah. So I'll get to it eventually, and I kind of want to have it because I like Bruce Lee. Yes. <laughs> I like Bruce Lee. <laughs> um, who is Cato? For those of you who don't know, they should. They probably they should. don't though. I guess it depends on how old our audience is. We probably don't have a lot of youngsters listening right now, so... <laughs> youngsters! <laughs> it's kind of a tangent, but I, I just noticed that they're doing a Lost episode, and that looks mighty because, as you know, I'm a fan of Two-Face. Have you seen uh, images of this? No, I have not. It, you know, like, I don't I don't believe that Two-Face ever had, uh, you know... He, he wasn't on the 66 series. Uh-uh. And, uh, the lost, this lost episode, quote unquote, um, 66 series that's supposed to be coming out it has uh, Two Face on the cover. And it's done so epically 60s. <laughs> it it kind of remi- reminds me of that scene in Batman Forever where you've got uh, Two Face's lair and the one side's all dark and the other side's all fluffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that, except like on one side it's all normal, and on the other side it's all like swirly '60s, <laughs> sure. super colorful. And I'm like, yes, I want to see what a '60s uh, uh, Two Face is gonna look like here. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be epic. So he was made for that series, and he was never in it. Pull list. 
Next episode, we will be discussing Superman Red Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's the one that in, won. In, so, in Soviet Russia, <laughs> Superman Red Sun discusses you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was Yakov Smirnov, everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, they're so lame, but I love those. The stupid <laughs> jokes. I do. I do, I do too. It's, we grew up on them, so there you go. They're so fun. They're so ridiculous, but they're fun. Um, so, yeah. Uh, have you read that one, Jesse? I have. I figured you had. So we'd all read it. Well, that's another one kind of like our poll list today, where it's like, even though I have read Marbles, and even though I have read Red Sun, I am always happy to dig that one back out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it the first time I read it, so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that one. Mm-hmm. There's some good stuff in there for sure. Yeah, I know personally you and I had a long, interesting discussion about it uh-huh. after I read it. Uh-huh. That must have been one of the first graphic novels you read. After the, the like, after two the or three Batman several ones. Several Batman ones, yeah. yeah. But today we're talking about Marvels. The art by Alex Ross. Written by Kurt Busiek. Uh, Marvels is kind of one of those... It's one of those stories that starts by taking that man on the street uh, point of view on on the superheroes in the Marvel universe, and uh, giving you kind of the everyman opinion of it, or or at least their reaction to it. And it's kind of interesting because it set this trend, you know, like after Marvels was released, it set set the standard for. Um, a lot of miniseries to come out that would basically do the same thing with each of the Marvel uh, events. Like Marvel's just generally kind of delves into what we'd term the Silver Age of uh, Marvel comics or, mm-hmm. or comics because it deals with um, kind of a, kind of a progression of the Marvel U and some of the huge events that happen. But uh, since since Marvels came out. Uh, Frontline was a was a thing that kind of existed. I think that one came out with Civil War, and they've been doing it with each of the Marvel events now, where where you kind of see the reporter eye view of what's happening behind the scenes during Civil War or during uh, the Secret Invasion or during uh, Siege or whatever you know, like the the Marvel event happens to be. I don't think they've done one for a while. But uh, I think that it all kind of stems back to, and if not, it at least pays homage to this work mm-hmm. of Marvel's. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of Marvel's chance to get Alex Ross because I did, I think Kingdom Come came before Marvel's, didn't it? I'm not sure, and actually, I don't think I've read that one. That's on my list of shame. Oh, you. Like I know. I need to. Especially especially if you're reading was it Future's End or whatever. Oh yeah? Yeah. I mean if you're if you're reading post apocalyptic DC futures, then you wanna read Kingdom Come. Oh nice. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's a nice it, like I would have said that Kingdom Come and uh Dark Knight Returns would have been like the bookends for the D C future. Oh. I don't know. Interesting. Else worlds or whatever, but it, as far as DC future goes, Kingdom Come and uh, Dark Knight are kind of like the pinnacles, as far as I see it. <laughs> and I have opinions. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's <laughs> one of uh, one of several on my list of shame. I'll have to get to that. So, one. hashtag in the future, 
read them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is the second I've I read Justice. I believe it was called DC. I I haven't read that one. Oh, oh, oh! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, oh, it's I, I don't know how well regarded it is as you would expect. The art was fantastic in with uh, uh, Justice. Mm-hmm. It was a little slow, so I don't know oh. how well regarded it is. When it comes to Alex Ross, Kingdom Come is the one that I always hear about. I just haven't read it yet. Sure. But this is the second. So Marvelous is the second graphic novel I've read that he did the art for. Ah, uh, yes. But as expected, the art's awesome. Yeah, it is. So yeah, this is my first time reading reading Marvels. Um, I yeah, I had heard about it before before it was picked for pull list. I'm assuming it was released as four originally as four books, but when you read yes, it, the collected version, it's split into book one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Reading through it, my opinion, like at no point did I really dislike it, but my opinion changed a couple of times mm-hmm. while going through it. Uh, the first chapter, I was interested. I thought it was interesting. Um, the first one, oh, one thing I really like, I hope this is not jumping too far ahead, but one thing I really like is how it jumps time periods where it's from it's you know it starts off in what would that be almost oh it's like the the almost like the very first heroes of the marvel you probably yeah and every book takes place it seems like almost 10 years later mm-hmm. roughly yeah yeah um i i appreciated that because uh you get you get uh Basically, this this the main character, the photographer's opinions uh, on the Marvels, as he calls them, but you know, superheroes and 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 mutants are mixed in there too. Um, you get his evolving opinion on everything throughout mm-hmm. the later part, throughout his adult life, um, and I thought that was interesting. But like the first book, I was into the idea, but by the end of it, I was like, I mean. I felt it, there were, it kind of bogged down a little bit. I was a little concerned Mm -hmm. about where it was going to go because I was like, I mean, this is interesting, but like, I don't know. I was worried going into the second book because it kind of seemed like, all right, well, this seems like just more of the same. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Um, which book deals with the mutants? Was it the second one? Yes, because it deals with both the mutants and the Avengers, and I thought that was really interesting. Going into the second book, I was concerned that it wasn't going to hold my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the mutant stuff, and I think maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for X-Men stuff, and I really always I always appreciated the mutants as a social commentary social on commentary, racial issues. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and I always I always enjoy that, and I I think at this point some people kind of get tired of it, but it's like, well, that's like the core of the mutants as a concept, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there's no reason for them to get the kind of prejudices that they get. You know, it's like what makes Spider-Man any different than you know uh, Cyclops? You know, they're both heroes. Yeah, and maybe that's a bad example because Spider-Man's still kind of vilified. But you know, it's like what what's the difference between them? I think it touches on that a little bit actually 
in there, he was talking about how, like, the superheroes were superheroes that were people that things happened to, but the mutants were, like, death, because that was them taking over humanity, you know? Like, we're not going to be people anymore, we're going to be mutants. And the superheroes were different because it was, like, some, like, they were made, they were an an experiment or a freak accident or something of that nature. Right, something fantastic had to happen. Right. It still seems odd to me that the mutants are still viewed the way they are. I mean, that is the reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's what they touch on. It just still seems odd to me. But, but it, it's changed quite a bit over time with, like, Civil War and whatnot. You know, af- after Civil War, pretty much they kind of all get lumped into this, you know, kind of mode. But then, you know, the, I guess the problem with, with that is um, – like there's the evil mutants take a little bit more forefront when you deal with the mutants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Because anybody could be born a mutant, whereas superheroes are made. I kind of like the, you know, the the bit also. Well, I mean, the the whole thing is, like you were saying, his perspective, and I think real quick, kind of jumping back, mm-hmm. maybe that was part of why you were concerned at the end of the first book because it seemed to focus an awful lot on him and his problems in his life. Mm-hmm. Um. And maybe that's not as interesting as superheroes and whatnot. But then, yeah, it got that more interesting. Actually, uh, not to cut you off, that actually was kind of my concern because I was like, you know, I like a good, like, human drama story, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was a little worried because I was like, well, I mean, if if it just kind of continues at this pace, I would kind of rather just read about the superheroes. Right. So, yeah, that was a little bit my concern at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I like I was I figured something was going to happen when the mutants came up and and he was dealing with people's opinions of them, where he was going to have to come into contact with a mutant mm-hmm. and you know f- form some kind of decision based on that. And uh, I really liked that it was a little girl, a very strange looking little girl. Yeah, I know. And it wasn't like yeah. the kind that she could hide hide what you know uh-uh. her. Her, her mutation it was very obvious and she was obviously be hunted hunted because of that uh-huh. um and i like that he i mean he seemed to kind of internalize it but he was pretty quickly like oh she's just a little girl yeah he uh, flipped pretty quick yeah I, and, and i think that that's that's more like what people would be like i think mm-hmm. i mean maybe i know there's evil mutants in this and that but if the more mutants popped up, the more people would be like, oh, that's just a, a kid. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just like my, you know, whoever. Well, the second book definitely got me on board because I like I like the mutant thing. I like X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than that, like, then you really start, to, that's when you really start to, I mean, it's all character development with this guy through all, all three, all four books, like, Mm-hmm. Like I said, it, he does kind of his opinions of it evolve and his view of the world and all that. And, but I I, I really liked how the storytelling in book two handled, um, kind of like the dark side of it because he is for a moment like he throws a brick at I think Iceman's head or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, I think so. And for a moment, he's on the other side with the humans where you're like, okay, well that's come on, man, don't don't be a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kept, keeps recalling uh, uh, this Cyclops saying, you know, he's not worth it. And just, I really like how all that was handled. Right. Um, and then the little girl thing. 
uh, comes mm-hmm. and kind of change. I, I I like the character development specifically in book two. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I found it more understandable. The first book I understood what they were getting at. Like he was like, you know, how am I supposed to be able to take care of, uh, you know, a wife if there's these beings that are so much better than me. And eventually he gets over that. Right. Um, but that view, and I understand where he's coming from, but I guess maybe I didn't, I just didn't dig on that concept as much as right. like, you know, being yeah, well, that's, afraid of something different. Well, it's, I guess the first thing is the same thing, being afraid of something different than coming to terms with it. But mm-hmm. I just liked it better. It's probably harder for us to identify it anyway, because things aren't necessarily well, yeah, the we way they were in that time about... period where you don't really have to worry uh, being a man. You don't have to worry about, you know, providing and protecting to be a man necessarily in this day and age. You could be a stay at home dad if you or just husband or whatever the hell mm-hmm. or boyfriend. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We don't necessarily, I mean, it's, we still kind of have our, our roles that are you... our gender roles that they try to have us play but it's not as forced i think as it used to be so where you couldn't feel like you like it would make you feel useless Uh if you couldn't do certain things or you know whatever that they had a lot more or you know earlier in our history Mm -hmm. so overall i found it enjoyable without bearing the lead i liked the book um and i'd like to get into the end a little bit in a moment but one thing I think, and this is, again, kind of like Afterlife with Archie, where if I were more familiar, like I have I have kind of a vague overview on some of the major events from um, uh, Silver Age Marvel happenings. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think if I had a better, if I had better knowledge of these events in the history of the Marvel Universe, uh, a lot of these, a lot of... Uh, the big things that happen in this book, I think would be more interesting to me because mm-hmm. I'd be like, Oh wow, that was this. And that was this, you know? And mm-hmm. actually oh, yeah. the version I read, um, the collected version at the end has like a list of like on this page, you see, you know, on this page you see this happening and that's from this issue, whatever, whatever. And mm-hmm. the, it's huge, this list. So there's just yeah. tons of references to Marvel history. So that's, I was going to bring that up because I don't know any Marvel history, mm-hmm. really. Um, but I was like, well, I can go and they have that list at the end that we could go and look and if we want to read those issues or whatever. Oh, yeah, the sources list. I'm looking at it right now. Yep, right. Yeah. I guess I hadn't even looked through that last time I read this. Mm-hmm. But for me, I didn't, I, I didn't really mind. And I think it's because it was written from the point of view of a reporter. Which I also enjoyed because it does something that they don't necessarily always do, which is uh, they paid a lot of attention to people and how the superheroes affect them. Like things getting destroyed and people getting hurt and uh-huh. and things like that. That, you know, when you watch, like, well, maybe not everybody, but we sit, in there, sit there watching a superhero movie and we're like, wow, they just killed a whole bunch of people right there. Oh, yeah. Even in Captain America last night, we, oh, yeah. things would happen like... They opened fire on this bus yeah. with a minigun, and I'm like, anybody that was still in there that's not Captain America is dead right now. Not even just that. There was some guy pulling a chick out. I specifically remember that scene. There was a guy pulling a hurt woman out right when he opened fire. You saw him fall. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so you know that they killed people. Yeah. So, yeah, it does. It takes – it. Be, and that's – I like that this book draws your attention to that. 
because when you're reading the comic books or even watching the movies and there's like these huge battles and buildings are getting knocked over, walls are getting busted through. Mm -hmm. Um, this book does look at it as the perspective of there's people there and people are going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, I did like that. Is it framed in a way where even though you guys didn't have that experience with Marvel, that's what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, no, I think, I think there would have been more to pull from it. Like, I think, I think it would have been cool to have that added like knowledge to be like, Oh, cool. You know, this and that. But since it is a story about just a regular guy, everybody's just viewing this from the outside. They Mm -hmm. don't really know, except for when the uh, like reports at the end come through. And even sometimes not even then they don't know the specifics. They don't know what's going on. All they know is there's a battle here. Um, there's property damage, people getting hurt, you know, they don't know the specifics. So I don't think it takes away from the story of Marvel's by not knowing that stuff because you know, as much as the characters know about it, mm-hmm. um, right. you're experiencing it along with them. So yeah. yeah, I don't think it hurts it at all. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And like I said, I know nothing. The only, I take that back. The only thing that I knew about was, um, I can't even remember her name. Spider-Man's, um, Gwen. Yeah. Oh, Gwen Stacy, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing I knew about before it happened in the book. I was at, I remember a lot, the last time I talked to you about it, I was asking you if you had gotten that to that part yet mm-hmm. because yeah, I, yeah, I was like it kind of like he was looking to make Spider-Man a good guy and then when that happened, he was like but I I just can't necessarily justify it right now. Yeah, I I really liked because so like I said the first book you've got set up and you've got introduction to this character and introduction to the Marvels. The second book, you kind of start to see his character arc turning towards, well, like, well, these aren't necessarily bad guys, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, he they kind of had the view of the Marvels at that point, and he had kind of flipped on flip on the superheroes, and he had kind of decided that anyway, that, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they, they can be a good thing. Mm. Um, and then the mutants were kind of another step, you know? He kind of decided, with, he had that experience, you know, they're not necessarily bad. And then the third book, you kind of see him dealing with, he. So he he's decided, you know, these these superheroes and these mutants, they're they can be okay, you know. But you see him dealing with the really fickle general public, mm-hmm. and also news trying to sensationalize uh, negative spin, put negative spin on stuff. Um, and you see the conflict with that, and then you kind of get where he. And this is another part I found really interesting. That kind of really push me to read on is like, yeah, this is okay. I want to see where this goes mm-hmm. is when he does resolve to be like, well, I need to do something like essentially I need to kind of help these guys out. I need to convince people that this isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And that pushes his motivation through the third into the fourth book until, and again, this is all, this is spoilers. I should, I should just come up with a little spoiler warning at the beginning of each episode and play it. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, I, I didn't know we were supposed to be not doing spoilers. No, it's been. I think we have established through past episodes we do spoilers. Okay, but just in case, I guess I'll come up with some little soundbite to play at the beginning. Um, and then I really liked. It's a. It's on one hand bleak, but at the same time not. I really liked the end, like when it took that turn of where he had that moment with Gwen Stacy and and got to was getting to know her and and. And then there's the whole, the Spider-Man, um, is it Green Goblin? 
Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gr- the Spider-Man Green Goblin fight. And then after that, like, he just, mm-hmm. it, he just turns off. I mean, not like he emotionally turns off, but he's just, like, just sobered him up and he's done. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I find, yeah, I found that. Well, and di- okay, super spoiler. Did you catch the very, very end? The the boy that he, the little paper boy that he took a picture with? Yeah, just a nice, ordinary family. Danny Ketch, he's riding on a bike. Later on, he has a flaming skull, happens to be a spirit of vengeance. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, see, I, <laughs> I, I figured, because just because, like, particularly that line uh, yeah. about, uh, you know, just an ordinary mm. boy, I was like, oh, he's somebody. And I was actually going to look it up. I should probably know who he is. It's a pretty big moment, his turn at the end, because he essentially was like, well, I figured out what I have to do. Like his, he'd be, he, it was like a, at this point, kind of a life goal. I mean, he was trying yeah. to, he knew he felt what he was doing was important in photo, photographing and documenting. Then he had, then he was able to focus it down to like, well, I need to do this. I need to like try to clear Spider-Man. Yeah. Clear Spider-Man and, and, uh, show people that, you know, maybe we shouldn't, poke them in the eye after every time they they save us yeah and then and then just to have that experience mm-hmm. uh at the end and it's just like yeah forget it it's none of that's important he just doesn't care anymore yeah and you know what uh, but it i understand because he it was a, on a more personal level for him um you know she was the innocent was supposed to get saved and instead she ended up dying but that's kind of the kind of what was going on i mean not entirely but the whole time they're like, oh, these godlike figures, and and yeah, they're saving us, but people are still getting hurt, and there's still destruction. So they're, I mean, they're trying, but they're not perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually got to accepting that at the end or not. And kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it risk or or whatever to to publish a book, uh, a Marvel book, where you're basically indicting. Oh, All of the superheroes of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, he even says, you know, one of the last things he says in the book is, I don't care about Marvels anymore. Yeah, no or, more Marvels for me or something yeah, like that. Which yeah. is basically, you know, oh, forget, I'm just done with you know, the make, superheroes. It's like the opposite of make mine Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I just seen, I just seen a picture online today today about that. Uh, with that, the Make Mine Marvel little ad. It was like old ad they would do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, final thoughts on Marvels? I, I liked it, obviously. As... Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. It was it was a good story, mm-hmm. and it makes you think about stuff. It shows you lots of different perspectives, which I, which I very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the art was awesome. It was all around a good book. You yes! Had, you had said something to me about... I bet you in, are enjoying the time the time period or something yeah. early on because there was a lot of like, what, like, fi- like 40s, 50s jargon yeah. type stuff where it'd be a crowd scene and you'd just get a little snips of people's dialogue, which happened a lot. Mm-hmm. But there were, I can't think of one off offhand, but you know, there were, you know, those are America's boys and just like, just yeah. little like catchphrases people used to say or at least... In fiction, people used to say all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I opened it up and I thought, oh, uh, Randy's going to like the way that this opens. 
with yeah. the, the the comparison between uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the Human Torch. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I thought that was real interesting. Melanie made a good point when we were talking about it the other day that she found it interesting and odd that you opened it up with this, and you're kind of following along with the Human Torch before it actually mm-hmm. switches over to the photographer, and then you're with the people. She thought it was interesting. I'm sorry, I'm speaking for you. No, it's fine. But yeah, you you had mentioned that it was you thought it was interesting that you start with the superhero before it actually switches over to the main story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that that is unusual because it is uh, so focused on him. Mm-hmm. But it opens up in a different way, kind of like it's almost like a prologue, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, is that it? That's the Human Torch's origin. That's the original Human Torch. That's There's actually two Human Torches, which can be confusing. Before the before what's his name? The, before Johnny Storm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a messed up origin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. I thought that was pretty interesting, but uh, particularly at the beginning of the story, it's about the world being introduced to the, the superheroes and mm. the superpowered humans. It's interesting then, since that's what this story is about as a normal person dealing with this, that the way you bring the reader into the story through this Marvel who's being introduced to the world. It's an interesting switch because then you go to the actual story and it's about being a normal person being introduced to these marbles. Well, it's it's actually the the beginning. It's like the birth of a marble being introduced to the world and then the world being introduced to the marbles. Yeah. Because he was just created. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. There we go. Marbles. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it was good. I'm glad I read it because it's definitely one of those that pops up on the list and it's like a must read for mm-hmm. superhero comics fans, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it and I mean, I there are some superheroes that I like, but I'm not really even a big superheroes fan because I am too much that person that I'm like, "Oh, but he just smashed that train full of people and whatever." And that's part of the reason part of the reason that I like this mm-hmm. so much because it's, it's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is totally a good one for me. Mhm. Yeah. For the books, or the digital online archives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right, do we want to slam right over to Swamp Studies? Looking at the time. Yeah. Yeah, got you. Punch through it. We... Yes. yes. Okay. This one was a beast. Yeah. Well, I'm, like, I just ordered um, book five, and it came today. And uh, setting them side by side, book four is massive. Oh, okay. It's, it's thicker. Which makes sense, because it's got the anniversary stuff and the, like, crisis time tie-ins. So, Saga of the Swamp Thing, book four, covers issues 43 through 50. Um, this is where... Uh, in the uh, individual issues, this is where um, I believe at 45 or 46, they switch from Saga of the Swamp Thing to just Swamp Thing in title, but mm-hmm. it picks up at like, it. they don't change the numbering, they just change the title. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Here's just a 
overview of the whole the whole collected book. Uh, this uh, fourth volume in the Saga of the Swamp Thing finds the man monster interacting with Dead Man, the Phantom Stranger, the Spectre, and the Demon as he continues on his uh, journey of self-discovery. Traveling through the horrors of a haunted house, the improbabilities of the afterlife, the depths of hell, and the heights of heaven, the Swamp Thing continues his evolution from a simple monster into a powerful elemental being with the potential to exceed the bonds of the Earth itself. So, uh, Melanie's looking. This, for us, that's still kind of vague. Yeah. But um, <laughs> oh, uh, well, yeah. So it starts. Is that the first one? No, he, that's the, that's just a general overview. That's for the oh, whole. Okay, the whole I was gonna say. Book. I'll pull up. I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll pull up my comic vine here and just so. Okay, because forty. The the first issue is the the one with the kind of stoner guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Since you're the new reader on these, uh, before we get into actually what it's about, what did you think? Um, this is maybe a kind of a backwards way to do it. What did you think, Jesse, of volume four, uh, maybe in compared to the other ones you've been reading? Well, like I like I kind of mentioned, uh, it's a beast, and it covers a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of rounds out the whole. Well, it, it does round out the whole Constantine kind of arc. Um, I assume that it's going to continue a little bit into the next book, but it, it, this, this kind of tour that he takes the swamp thing on where he's like subjecting him to all these strange horrors. Like you're going to come here and you're going to experience Mm -hmm. this and Mm -hmm. you're going to come here and you're going to experience that. Uh, He kind of, he kind of finishes that up at the beginning of this book. And then like it, it, it comes full circle where it's like, why, what was Constantine getting him ready for this? And that all happens as part of the whole crisis on infinite earths thing. Like, it, like it's just crazy how he interweaves all these things and then still has some little one-offs in, mm-hmm. in the interim. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was a lot to take in, but man, he does it so well. Issue 43 is kind of, follows this stoner guy um, who finds a tuber mm-hmm. that the swamp yep. thing is left behind. And this is such a strange story. Um, it's, I mean, I don't think there's anything expressly like illicit about it, but it's still so shocking that some of the themes and some of the things that this book deals with, even though I know like at this point they've, got rid of the comics code and it's adult, it's sophisticated horror, you know, it's for adults, but it still surprises me. Some of the things they address, but yeah, so basically he, this guy gets his tuber. Um, he's obviously kind of a drug dealer guy because people keep coming to him for something, mm-hmm. including one guy who comes to him cause his wife has cancer and he's wanting something to give her. So she, to ease her suffering and he ends up giving her, uh, giving the guy this bit of tuber, and then there's this also really shady character who comes by, and I think he steals a bit of it or something. Um, well, he kind of bullies it out of him, kind yeah. of thing. Okay. And for that guy, he takes it, and it does not go well for that guy. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, and he like, yeah, he sees like the origin of Swamp Thing kind of thing. Yeah, and hallucinates all these Swamp Thing type of things, mm-hmm. whereas she experiences more of the green. 
Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Connected this with nature and whatnot. So it works well. Yeah. It works well for her. and ends up being a good thing for mm-hmm. her passing. And for the shady guy, it does not work well, and he ends up dying anyway. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, by the end of this issue, the stoner guy pretty much is like comes up with the theory that well if you're a good person it'll be a good thing if you're a bad person it'll be a bad thing and you're gonna die Mm -hmm. and he debates whether he should try it or not and he thinks that he's a good person but he's done shady things and i think he ends up deciding not to take it yeah just in case yeah yeah Yeah. well it's interesting because this whole book and I don't even know if you planned it that way, uh, has a very interesting tie-in. And maybe maybe I'll just wait till the end. But it it's, yeah, I'll, I'll wait on that. But it, it ties it all the way around from this very first issue that they included in this collection to the very end. Um, th- there's this kind of theme of duality. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Issue 44 has to do with what? Called Boogeyman. Oh, Boogeyman. Um, well, here, this comic vine actually, for, for once, has a brief summary, so I'll come up with this. I'll read this one. Uh, this story marks more uh, more of Alan Moore's exploration of the darker side of Americana, this time exploring the myth of a serial killer. Told partly as it is from the perspective of a man who is who has a particular infatuation with numbers, eye color, and the Boogeyman. So far, this is still not... Ringing any bells? Ringing any bells. He tracks one of his victims to the Louisiana swamps, where he ruthlessly dis- disposes of the bodies. He disposes the bodies in the quagmire. Of course, while he's there, he happens upon a certain nature elemental. The story also features swamp, swampy. Pay- oh, they said swampy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the story also features swampy paying Abby a visit via the plug hole of her bathroom sink. Oh, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. It kind of freaks her out, too, right? Because uh-huh. it, like, mucks up her sink. And um, and a side story with Constantine having a, a chance encounter with a certain caped crusader. Uh, yeah, there's a lot in this in this issue. It's kind of strange. Uh, that is... Almost st- a transitional story, because Boogeyman, like, doesn't really... I can see why you're having a hard time recalling, because he only plays a little bit of apart in the okay. issue. I mean, he's like the driving force of the issue, but his story arc isn't particularly memorable. Yeah. I'm yeah. St- I still can't place what his, I, I remember. His main thing is he wants to be the boogeyman. And I think his thing is like, he, he remembers all of them, like all the people that he attacks and he numbers them and he, like, Oh, remembers I'm starting. Yeah. Okay. Kind of thing. Okay. He remembers like their eye colors. Yes, the, look of their uh, eyes. the eyes are a huge um, thing for him. I remember that. I remember the sink thing, because it kind of freaks Abby out. Um, but, and then he kind of leaves in a huff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, fine. And then she's like, well, fine. <laughs> they have this little huff moment. Yeah. Where you realize they're an actual couple. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 45. Um, ghost dance. This is the, um, this is the one with the haunted house. I really like this one because it's, it's like a straight up haunted house horror story. Am I right with this starts with like, like a pair, like two couples entering the house? 
Well, it kind of it delves into like the mythos of the house, but yes, uh, like right after it does a little spiel about um, like the hammering, like mm-hmm. the the hammers must never stop. They do a little, just a little intro of these two gunslingers at the very beginning, and yeah, then the uh, the two couples show up at the house, and it's and the really bizarre house. It's a take on that real life lady that would have the house just continually built. That's what we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Red Rose or Rose Red or whatever. Didn't, uh, Stephen, Stephen King. King did a, like a spinoff or, or a, an allusion to it. Mm-hmm. Things do not go well for those people that enter that house. No, um, and then, there, of course, there's the strong anti-gun message. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like this one because it's... Maybe I'm not reading enough like certain horror comics but it seems like you don't get a lot of and maybe it's because it's hard to accomplish in comic form but i liked it felt like a traditional haunted haunted house like horror movie type story mm-hmm. and I yeah really, we're here because the house is haunted and and, and we why did we do that <laughs> we should know better it is it ties into um and this is another one of those where Constantine's taking Swampy around through mm-hmm. different scenarios. And it ties into what we were talking about with book three, I think it was, where it takes like the classic, just a classic uh, horror setup, mm-hmm. you know, werewolves and vampires and whatever else, haunted house in this case, and then more can take and put this like really interesting spin on it mm-hmm. and just turn out something that's, you know... It's got the social commentary there, um, but it's still it's still creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. When this is the last, uh, this is the last of the ones where uh, Constantine has led him here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right after right after this, that's when they jump into the crisis tie-ins, which I really like this whole story that whole storyline too coming up here. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, just just like from an art. Uh, standpoint uh, the title you know how you have a title page mm-hmm. and Swamp Thing is really good about like just integrating the text into their title splash page you know mm-hmm. like where it says Swamp Thing Ghost Dance this is like awesome because the Swamp uh, Swamp Thing is just up in the right hand corner and it like Swamp is part of the Swamp and Thing is part of the house and they've done it in perspective uh-huh. and it's all kind of bird's eye view and Ghost Dance is, like, built into the house. And uh, I was just, like, just on initial reading, I was very struck by that. No, Pretty that's, cool. that's good because you mentioning it, I can picture it. And it's been quite a while since I actually read that issue. And, yeah, after you mention it, that fact that I can still picture the image of just that title page is, yeah, that's a testament to memorable artwork. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about it other than it, it was cool. <laughs> That's like my, my last word on every issue. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> every review. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was good. <laughs> okay. So I don't write. I don't read things I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of true. If I really yeah. hated some. No, that's, I mean, if, if we got a pull list pick of something that I wouldn't dig, I would still feel compelled to read through it for the show. Yeah. 
I'm almost really right, right. interested to see that happen because even the ones that we had negative things in the end, we still liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to get something that just really strikes me wrong. Right. <laughs> We're gonna seek it out. We're gonna seek out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess we Was kind that of ma- masochism. We used to have a segment. <laughs> we used to do. We we had a potential segment for that, but that's not really something. Yeah, we usually seek out. Oh, flaming foo, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it no, it didn't even turn out to be flaming foo. It turned out to be awesome full page bleed out. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing number forty six. This is where the the series changes title from Saga to Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing to Swamp Thing. No more Swaga. Okay. Um, in an issue that crosses over with in- Crisis on Infinite Earth, Swamp Thing and John Constantine take a detour on their spiritual journey to observe the unfolding chaos on Earth. But Constantine has greater concerns. A cabal of evil beings determined to destroy all existence. Uh, yeah. Well, this is the one that's most blatantly a tie-in. Is this the one where he even takes them, like, you see a bunch of the other superheroes and stuff, he takes them to... Yeah, yeah, well, it starts out with the crisis. Like, the first opening pages, you see the multiverses kind of uh, coalescing, Mm -hmm. where you see, like, uh, people from, was it the Civil War or whatever, up against, like, spacemen and... yeah. mm -hmm. You got the car that runs into a flock of dodos and uh, yeah, all sorts of things are happening because the multiverses, all the different earths are um, combining at that time. And so uh, Constantine takes uh, Swamp Thing onto the monitors station mm-hmm. where all the hero, like everyone's there for that because Alexander Luther is kind of addressing everyone and what, you know, like informing him on what, uh, informing everyone on what's happening and what they intend to do about it and all. So, I mean, like that goes into crisis on infinite earths and we could do an entire, uh, we could do an entire series on crisis. So we shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, I thought it was fun because he's just kind of there and you have things like ambush bug and you've got like, you know, like they're there, but they don't stick around. And Constantine's kind of like, meh, we got bigger things to deal with. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. How far, into like the big action with Swamp Thing and the like heaven and hell stuff, does it get in this issue? In this issue, yeah, uh, I think we just kind of start because basically okay. they're talking about it and they're trying to avoid it at this point because there isn't there's a moment that they are seeking to stop, and that's kind of the I think that's kind of where this all starts is they're assembling their crew and then they're going to try to stop this thing from happening and then it goes further from there okay. and, and that's where and hell kind of you know yeah I don't know how much to get into okay yeah I, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure it gets the ball rolling is basically mm-hmm. so we will go to swamp thing number 47 uh, Swamp Thing follows John Constantine to South America to see the Parliament of Trees, learning that he is not a unique being after all. Is this where they first introduced the Parliament of Trees? It must be. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is big de- de- big doings. Yeah. A lot of this stuff happens later in the series that I, that I recall. Re- recall. Yeah. Well, and this is where, you know, like, basically he's like, I want my answers now. And so Constantine's like, okay. Let's go see the parliament. Mm-hmm. 
So interesting. Yeah, the Parliament of Trees, that's that's big big stuff right there. More big Swamp Thing lore that plays through even till now. Current common yeah. yeah, current Swamp Thing. When it and it starts with this kind of farewell because he's got to go do all these things, so he's like, um, I'm going to go see Abby real quick. Uh-huh. And then I'm assuming that's going to play a big with the thing in the next with the next book because I just kind of cracked the cover to see what was going on. So yeah, a photographer. This this the synopsis here for this issue says, um, a sleazy photographer hopes to make a fast buck with some sleazy pictures of Ab of Abby with Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might come up later in the run is this the last book in or the last issue in the in the book no okay yeah, it goes to like 50 huh yeah mm-hmm. okay 50. okay um so yeah that the, those pictures definitely come up into an awesome storyline mm-hmm. i won't spoil it because i don't think jesse's read it yet but no that's where they start the next book going through these books because i'd look at like you know kind of i look through there's six collected issues or six collected books of uh, volumes of the Alan Moore run. Right. And I'll look at them and be like, well, Oh, this one's my favorite. This has got some of my favorite stories. But then as we're going through this, every, every other month we're going through these books. Mm-hmm. I'm like, every book is my favorite. If not every like issue is totally awesome. They're all good. But if not, you know, every book has a story arc or something that I really like. Mm-hmm. So like the, the run, his run is just, consistently solid throughout i think uh-huh even the oddballs yeah yeah for sure I like the oddballs. 48 yeah this is getting to some awesome stuff john constantine's assembled cohort of mystics lead swamp thing to a cave where a group called the Bru- brujeria brujeria no i don't i have no idea yeah uh, they're con- they're concocting a scheme to infect the world with evil, but when Swamp Thing tries to save Constantine from their clutches, he allows one of the mystics, now tra- transformed into a evil bird-like being, to escape. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to allude to without jumping way ahead. Mm-hmm. 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 Is that before before the evil can rise, they kind of like let it loose, and so they have yeah. this moment where they're they're basically trying to stop it. Yeah, stop the this crazy. Is a woman turned into a bird. Yeah. I remember <laughs> yeah, all that is yeah. really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a bad issue. I was just really thrown by this group of people in the cave, and I was a little worried about where the story was going at that point. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it is that set me off. Well, it, that's always just kind of weird. It's like, you know, some weird cult off hiding in a cave somewhere. It's always strange and has the potential to be... It's kind of another one of those things where he'll take an almost cliched construct, but make it work. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I think my worry was. Or at least, you know, maybe I wasn't as interested when I got to that. I was like, okay, cave cult. Mm-hmm. Another cave cult. <laughs> Come across those things all the time. Oh, man. Every other day with the cave cult. <laughs> all the time with these cave cults. Oh, um, but at the same time, then he'll take these elements, like this woman that gets turned into a bird, and that's all just so bizarre and... Mm-hmm. And kind of horrible, just the way. And you get to see her like slowly transform yeah. too. Which mm-hmm. is like, was she carrying something in her beak? I think. Yeah, so. like some kind of a pearl or a. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Exactly 
was, but yeah, like the seed of evil or something. Yeah. 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 That's what, it, yeah. That's what I'm going to call it. That's, seed. That's good. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. So Swamp Thing number 49. The Brajaria, the cave cult, has been destroyed. But their plan to unleash evil into the world continues in a story that guest stars Demon, the Dead Man, and other DC mystics. Now, I like that these synopsis, or these summaries, have gotten shorter, but they're almost too vague now. Is Swamp Thing following the bird in this issue? I think, I think they're trying to beat it, or they're, or they're getting ready. Like, they realize they can't really catch the bird. Okay. I don't know. They are following it, though. Okay. Is there not... I don't... I... For some reason, what I recall is... Constantine trying to get... Maybe this is from some other issue. Trying to get these other people to help him. Nobody wants to because he's... A no, nice that's what... That, that's <laughs> what he's doing. Constantine <laughs> is assembling his crew. Okay, okay. So I'll just collapse 50 into this. We'll just talk about okay. this storyline. Because this part... This is my favorite part. It would, it would definitely be these last two issues then. Mm-hmm. And the Haunted House issue. But, uh... <laughs> this is Steve Martin's The Jerk. These, <laughs> these are my favorite issues. And this one. And this one. That's oh. all I need. Oh, and this <laughs> and one, too. This, this over here is good. I want this one, too. <laughs> uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> but... That's all, but that's all I need. This... Okay. Right, first, this. you mentioned Constantine and this group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, once they set up their circle... It's almost like a seance circle type thing. Yeah, that's totally what it reminded me of. That part is awesome mm-hmm. and hardcore. Yeah. Because people, people go. Yeah, I know. The, it's the guy with yeah. the helmet yeah. who, who cannot quite handle it. Mm-hmm. He says some things when the big, massive thing comes up or whatever. He can see it. Mm-hmm. He says some things about it that are fever dream territory. He and he's not like a mystic guy. He's got like a helmet that enhances like uh, mental abilities. That's right. Yeah, and he can't handle what's he can't handle what's yeah. going on. Um, he can't handle the truth. The way he describes like what he's seeing is fantastic, mm. and like I said, it hits like weird fever dream things where it's like, okay, yeah, that's like just like the, portraying the idea of like. Witnessing a scope that is beyond what you can comprehend, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, I love that. I really liked this crazy war going on in hell. And Etrigan's like gearing up, uh huh, putting on his battle armor, and, and he's describing it to the circle. And it's like, oh my god, they're alive! I like his armor. I like that there were like demons and stuff that were like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. Why? Why should I? give a crap and then I think eventually mo- most of them are like oh crap we better do something or this is going to take out everybody uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah this is the second time Swamp Thing goes down and with um, Dead Man and Etrigan and stuff like that uh-huh. and this is, the, this is the story I was kind of confusing the first time when he went down to get Abby mm-hmm. I love them both I think when they send like this, I think it's a great setup. I'm glad that apparently Moore enjoyed it as well because he revisits here with this with this big epic event here. Mm-hmm. Just just like that group of characters, 
Um, going into that setting, I just really, I really dig it. I could read, I could read more stories with it's just like Swamp Thing and mm-hmm. and Dead Man works surprisingly well in this situation. Yeah, like I'm constantly surprised how well he fits in. And I don't know a lot about him, but he's kind of like a very strange character. Yeah, and it, I think it could be easy to not take him seriously, but he really does fit in well, and it works. When well. I, I'm used to nobody being able to see or hear him unless he's like inhabiting their body, kind of thing. Okay, but okay. In this situation, you can see and hear him. Not that he can do a whole lot, but he's there. So I like that this darkness or the evil, although it's not. I don't think it's innately evil, but they keep calling it like you know, the core type evil. The you know. I like that it doesn't know what it is and it'll kind of absorb these people and Mm -hmm. ask it questions to try to discover what its nature is. That was epic. And, and I think my favorite thing is that what does he learn from all these superhero type entities? He learns all these bad things. Yeah. Yeah. And what is it? Swamp thing. What does he pull from swamp thing? Because that's kind of, what saves everything? Yeah. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell us. He's just like, I get it. Oh, and then he yeah. lets it go. I mean, he basically lends the perspective that evil makes the good better. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna bring that up. Something I, I seem to recall, I don't know, but like there can't be like light without darkness and, and whatnot. And that seemed like kind of a, mm-hmm. a thing. And it, that made me think of earlier in the beginning when you were talking about duality. Yeah, and so, I mean, yeah, so this is where, like, it comes full circle to me, is that, like, you have that guy with the helmet, uh, I I wish I knew his name, Yeah, Um, but he's witnessing it all for the folks back home, Mm -hmm. uh, for Constantine in the circle, and he, uh, he basically, he witnesses the evil and the, like, the good, basically, like, coming together, and then, like, his eye is replaced by a a yin and yang, uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my god! Did this whole book just become a like an allegory for Taoism? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it just did. I it, think it totally just became about Taoism. It's kind of because true, that's though. that's kind of the whole premise of uh, Latsu and uh, like uh, basically one of Latsu's teachings was uh, you don't recognize beauty without ugliness, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't recognize you know, like you need this this bad thing to perceive this good thing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have any frame of reference without making Chinese wisdom super black and white. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that kind of ties into themes that Moore weaves through the whole run. Like at the basic, you've got the balance of nature and and. It comes up from the Floronic Man to, you know, Swamp Thing has to deal with it, where uh, you've got to have two sides, but you can't tilt one way or the other too far, because then it throws the balance off Mm -hmm. um, and causes problems. Floronic Man was like, you know, kill all the meat, and then Swamp Thing's like, that's, you're crazy, that's, you know, that's wrong, that's the wrong thing to do, that's not going to work, because they, you need both sides, You you need the green and you need... Well, they don't really call it red at this point, but you need the, the meat. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it balances each other. Right. Um, I guess it's kind of a Swamp Thing theme in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
and then a lot of the a lot of the times when they come across the creature stuff um all those events that constantine takes swamp thing to um the werewolf thing where she's not really bad but she's there's a monster and 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 this and that and the haunted house they all have a little bit of that yeah it kind of culminates with the very final pages of of this volume with uh cain and abel there you go yeah 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 you still, you've still got it. The duality there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's. it's <laughs> go ahead. Oh, and, and what do they learn? Nothing, because Kane still shoves him off of the cliff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was really happy to see them because they're they came they came from the Sandman uh, series, and I love Sandman. And I'm like, I know these guys. I know these guys. <laughs> yeah. Tied in. Mm-hmm. But they're not. I don't think they're ever really supposed to learn anything. That's kind of their their place in in Sandman, and I'm sure it's, oh, you know, part, yeah, part of sure. this is is that their their punishment for what happened is to to like basically relive their situation forever. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They don't they don't get that final character arc. They get to be stuck in their hell of yeah error yeah and the giant hands is that isn't that what it is and so like yeah yeah mm-hmm. you like you see it as this giant uh pillar but at the end you realize what it actually is yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting in a way didn't it boil down to that's just the way it was supposed to be anyway so because mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. really i mean they kind of a swamp thing ends up kind of showing the darkness or whatever its place but mm-hmm. like really all of it wasn't necessary provided that, that was my that was my doctor who reference right there yeah the, oh yeah good point because the the, the, the the trees are there but the doctor's not really gonna do anything the, the mm-hmm. how you how you fix the conflict is to do nothing because it's yeah just, just wait and see how it pans out yeah. <laughs> you're there and you can you can enjoy the ride but you know ultimately what's going to happen is going to happen anyways what did you think because you were asking Jesse you were asking me before I think before you read it um, how the crossover comes across so what did you end up thinking how do you think uh, I, I like how they how they wove it in without like they, they gave it some time and and they made it work within the context like it spearheaded like it was kind of the reason it was like the moment that kickstarts what Swamp Thing and, and Constantine are, are going to go do mm-hmm. like because the crisis happened now we've got to stop this or we've got to react to this because this has been like waiting to happen for a long time and this is just the moment they need kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. So that was an interesting way to take a huge event and spin it in a way where you didn't have you didn't have to know what was going on with the crisis. They were just there for like a moment, and you kind of saw some of the fallout of it. And so, if you knew the crisis, that was cool, but you could move forward. You didn't have to. You could just know that there's this big thing happening where dinosaurs happen to be around. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it, it was it was really well done. They folded it in real well. They they made it a thing without letting it take over. I'm trying to think if they put the uh, crisis stamp on 
issue 50 or not. I don't think that they would have needed to. Well, me... No, they didn't. At least not the, the one that they include in the collected edition here. They, they show the... Uh, they show the tie-in on issue 48, I believe. Or, no, it was 46, because that's where the name drops, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, 46, they say, special crisis crossover. And and they have, like, the big heroes on the cover. You know, they have, like, Hawkman and then Batman and that kind of stuff. And then after that, you know, they refer back to it, but it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee it was still happening at that time. So the Flash was probably getting stuck in the Speed Force as right as we were watching Swamp Thing battle a pillar of blackness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking uh, of, have you guys watched uh, The Flash? We caught the first two episodes. Randy caught the first two episodes. We I... both caught the first two episodes. No. Melanie was just in a state where she I... might not recall the second one because it was I... after a party. I fell asleep. You fell asleep the last, like, five minutes, but you remember none of the whole episode. I remember the very beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we watched the first one, and then we went to a Halloween party this last weekend, um, and Melanie had some drinks. You weren't super toasted or anything. Oh, um, sure. But it was, it was shots. late. By the time we got home, it was late, and I put on the second episode, and I've, I'm enjoying it. Have you been watching it, Jesse? I have. I've been I've been enjoying it, um, but I'm also kind of a Flash fan, and I've got the old series um, with Wesley Ship. Really, I vaguely remember the old series. I remember watching it when when it was on. Um, well, that, that's that's pre Joker, right there. You've got uh, Mark Hamill as uh, what's his name, the yeah. Trickster. Yeah, he he plays the Trickster, so you can kind of see some uh, early de- early development for what will maybe eventually become his Joker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. But I, I've been enjoying the flash. I'm not super, I'm super familiar with the flash. So I'm sure there are references that will fly over my head. Oh, but... right off the bat, right off the bat, the rogues. I mean, the very first villain that we see is one of the rogues, weather, weather wizard. Yeah. They don't go all abracadabra on him or anything, but weather wizard right off the bat. I was like, yes. So, yeah, I, I know a little bit more about the Flash than some of the other DC heroes. Yeah. So. yeah, from what I've heard, it's it's been very uh, comic fan friendly. I guess would be a way to put it. It's it's they've been. I've been impressed. A lot of stuff uh, they've even they even they even uh, that's where that's why I mentioned it is they even mentioned the crisis like right off the bat. I think it's that first ish uh, first episode. They have a little nod right at the end. To the crisis. Was that the the where his mom died? Uh, no, it's a spoiler where the when doctor sees a thing, and you're like, "What's going on with this weird doctor guy?" Yeah, I'll tell you later. We talked about it afterwards. Maybe that was two. Maybe that was episode two. I don't know. No, I think it was the end of episode one. I know what you're talking about. We watched most of the first two seasons of Arrow, and I find the Flash in terms of a CW show is a lot better than arrow mm-hmm. because it has, it still has a bit of the cheese, but the flash comes across. It's more the earnest father, son type cheese. Whereas arrow gets the, um, uh, everybody sleeping with everybody, 
uh, soap oh, opera cheese. Yeah. Um, so I, I can handle the earnest cheese over the soap opera cheese a lot, mm-hmm. a lot better. But it's well, and that's that's the flash. I mean, like you mm-hmm. can't do. I suppose you could, but you can't do that same kind of stuff with with Oliver Queen. That's who he is. Uh, yeah. He's he's kind of a ladies' man player type, whereas the Flash, he's kind of a bumbling guy next door. Mm-hmm. He's kind of Peter Parker for the DCU. Yeah. It's like, why are you always late, Barry? <laughs> it's like he's the <laughs> fastest man alive, but he's always late. Always late. He's always off saving someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've been enjoying it. We haven't got a chance to watch Constantine yet. Oh. Is it good? That's all I'll say. Oh, okay. We'll we'll watch that pretty soon. Holly might want to be in on that conversation. Yeah, because she she enjoyed uh, she enjoyed this Constantine, and she also enjoyed the the one that we won't name. Okay, okay. Wait, I think I also enjoyed that one. Yeah, Melanie liked the movie. Oh, oh, that would be a great. Yeah, that should happen then. Well, maybe I didn't know. I had never heard of the character. I knew nothing about him when I saw the movie, and it's another one of those ones where. Uh, maybe if there someone else had um, been cast, had been cast, it may have been better. But he he has really good taste in movies, even if he's not the best actor. Because I'm always like, God, that the the, the themes of it, you know, are like, really good. That movie'd be so good if it weren't a oh, oh, well, oh he's you know he great, I mean. yeah, he's great roles, absolutely. I'll, I'll give him that for sure. And uh, his documentaries are great too. Uh, his Digital versus film documentary. Oh, I have not seen that yet. I want to. I heard about that, it. That's really good, too. I think he's a very smart man, uh-huh. so not knocking him personally. Oh, I thought we were. No. <laughs> no. Uh, it just, I mean, I'm not necessarily, I, you know. He's hard to see in that role. That's the problem that a lot of people have with that. Yeah. 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 I had no, I had no clue it was supposed to be some British... Blonde-haired British, yeah, blonde British butthead guy with yeah, guy but, with butthead, yeah, <laughs> guy with attitude. But uh, you know, so so for it's me, the, it was okay. It's the three B's, <laughs> blonde British butthead. <laughs> you <Your> butthead. <laughs> well, trying to That's keep it as, trying to keep it as clean as I can, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, next month, I mean, we don't have to commit to this or anything, but next month. We don't have a saga, uh, or we don't have a Swamp Studies. Maybe we can do um, a Constantine uh, superhero TV show little discussion or something. Okay. Just a thought. Throwing it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, and it doesn't always work out because of schedules, but um, yeah, I'm totally after something that Holly can jump in on. We'd love to have her come in and on a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, she, yeah, she dig jumping in on that, plus, uh, you know, if we do a Doctor Who catch up, oh man, catch episode. By the time we record the next episode, so there's two more episodes left in Series Eight of Doctor Who, and then uh, and uh, then there's the special, right? Christmas special, yeah. So, so yeah, so Series Eight proper will be done, but the special won't be out yet. That's crazy. It went quick. I. I like that they they just went every week. Every week. We're not going to do the, yeah. the split season. I like that. But on the other hand, like, it's 
gone it's, so quick. I know. It's gonna it's gonna feel like a really long time till next August. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I suppose we should wrap this thing up. Put a bow on. Don't it. burn the trees, kids. Don't burn the trees. Don't burn the trees. Uh, <laughs> or or spray chemical uh, defoliants defoliant yeah. <laughs> on them. Yeah. Just just let them be. Don't worry, they'll just <laughs> magically disappear. Like magic. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, that was kind of a spoiler. Oh well. Nah. What I said. Okay, good. We'll we'll cover it. We'll cover it. <laughs> this is Melanie. We're all interested in the Grolics, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. This is Jesse. Then close your eyes and tap your heels together three times and think to yourself, there's no place like Grolix. This is Randy, and I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick Grolix. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Thank you for listening to Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. To hear more, visit GrolixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Yeah, God, this is off. This is getting nope. cut. This is all getting cut. <laughs> Way to go, Randy.